are listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. Well, tonight we are uh, we're excited to have a, a, a good friend of ours, a dear friend of ours, um, Jim Hall. And Jim has been uh, serving in Edmonton many years. I didn't read it exactly off his site, but I know that he's been a pastor uh, in the city in, in a few places, and he's also been leading House of Prayer Edmonton. How many are familiar with House of Prayer Edmonton? Yeah. And we, um, we've, we've had the privilege to partner with House of Prayer uh, many years now doing the burn and resonate. Uh, resonate was here in the fall and uh, just just been an honor to really get to know Jim and his heart. And uh, I think they're they're heading into their 15th year that I think they're going to celebrate this this uh, fall 15 years as House of Prayer. And that's incredible. And they've been contending and believing for God to move in the city to to raise the water level up. Uh, of churches and to see God move and to call people to pray and, and to call people to seek his face. And they've been contending for that. So it's a, it's a natural fit that we've just connected as ministries because we're, we're believing to, that all churches would come together and God would move. And, and I've just got to know Jim as, as a friend. And, um, we've got to, uh, you know, dream together and go, Hey, what would, you know, what would 50 hours of worship look like? And our teams have got to work together and it's been an honor. And I've just seen a guy that's just passionate for God to move. He's passionate for the presence of God to move and to pray and to see people released in that. And so we're really honored tonight. I want you to give a really warm welcome to Jim Hall as he comes and shares tonight. Awesome. Wow, these lights are bright. It's intense. All right, so just uh, it is a real, uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be to be here and to uh, to be able to share a little bit of uh, a little bit of my own story and how uh, God's really birthed some things in in my life and then just uh, some of the scriptures that God's laid on my heart for tonight. Um, I like to just have uh, just a time to uh, pray before I start, so I'm just going to begin in prayer and uh, then we'll kind of dig in together. Jesus, we love you. We just stand in your presence and we say that we love you. We say that we are yours. You have given yourself so entirely for us and we respond and give ourselves entirely to you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence within us and among us. And we invite you, Spirit of God, to to speak, to open up our spiritual ears to hear what it is, the word from heaven that brings life. Your word always brings life. Thank you for that. Thank you for the life. Thank you for the renewal, the restoration. Thank you for all that you want to say. And that's what we're wanting. We're not not here for a good talk or a speech. We're not here for wise and persuasive words, Lord. We ask that it be so much more like the Apostle Paul prayed that it would not be with those wise and eloquent words, but a demonstration of power, a witness in our spirit. Not interested in, in, in what a human being would have to say, but what you, Jesus, fully God and fully man, what you would say to us by your spirit. 
We honor you in this place. We set you above every other name. We say there's no one like you, God. There's no one like you, Jesus. Never, ever has there been anyone like you, and never, ever will there be anyone like you. You have the supremacy, the, the highest place. You rule with perfect wisdom and power and love. And we, lo we just say that we love you and we give ourselves. We yield ourselves to you. We bless you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is, uh, it's a real honor for me to, to actually be here. When, you know, when Travis, he emailed me and uh, asked me if I would speak. Uh, and uh, it's great. I mean, you get research in all these different churches around. And, and uh, it's wonderful that it's at McKernan. Uh, because this is the church that I grew up in. Uh, this is the church that uh, when I was a kid, uh, I sat more towards the back. And then when I got to sort of more the youth side, uh, kind of moved up a little bit, kind of right in there. And, uh, and so that's, uh, this is where I got saved, was uh, here uh, at the, when I was attending this church. This is uh, where I was baptized, back in this pool, back here. It was really exciting. Uh, this is the this is the place where this is the sanctuary where uh, I had some of the most uh, I saw some of the most dynamic things that honestly I, I, I have seen in a very very long time uh, I, when I was in in the, the college and career group uh, we saw some just uh, it, to this day it's one of the most powerful seasons of of ministry that I've ever been a part of uh, was when we were when I was part of the college and career group here at McKernan and so it was uh, I'm not going to say how long ago that was but uh, you know, uh, it, it was fantastic. And I, what I want to do tonight is uh, share a little bit about uh, a message about contending for the glory of God. And really what that, a lot of people refer to that and say, well, you know, that's revival. And so it's contending for revival. And yeah, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. One of the ways that we say, well, what does that look like? What does revival, what's that going to, what does that mean? Uh, it means a lot of different things to different people. One of, the, one of the definitions, that are, one of the uh, ways of looking at it that I've really, really connected with is, is in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2, where it says that in that day, the branch, which is a reference to Jesus, in that day, Jesus will be seen openly as beautiful and glorious. That in a re across entire regions and nations, across the entire earth, Jesus Christ is going to be revealed on a way that, on a scale and in a way that has never, ever happened in the nations of the earth. And entire cities are going to be impacted. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going to come to Jesus. There's also going to be tremendous challenges at that time as well. But in that day, Jesus will be openly revealed. He's going to be seen like never before. And the way that I really got uh, captured into that, now I'm going to be honest, uh, as somebody who grew up in a Baptist church, we didn't really talk tons and tons uh, on Sunday mornings about revival. Uh, hadn't, didn't really have a grid for it. But I, remember, uh, I remember when I was in, in, those, in those days, in college and career days, uh, going to, it was in another, another church, uh, another Baptist church on the south side, and there was a special guest speaker, and he came and he spoke, and uh, he did a couple of nights, but I, remember, I'm, but I remember this one, it was a Sunday evening, and we all, a bunch of us gathered, and it was, I was up in the balcony of this church, and the guy started speaking about the revivals that had happened in church history, and I remember sitting there going, I've never heard any of these stories before, I've never heard of the Great Awakening. I've never heard of Charles Finney. I've, ne you know, I've never heard of any of these guys that, the guy that he's talking about. But his point was in the message was, that, uh, was the way that in every single time that there's been a revival in church history, 
there have been, you can track back to a group of people that have been praying. That there's always been this, this remnant of people or a small group of people uh, that have been interceding and crying out for revival. And that is what has led to, uh, very, that's what leads to the times where God pours out his spirit in these unique kind of ways. And that night God marked me in a, in, in a way that I'd say it was the most dramatic night of my life. Uh, back in the early 90s, just to give it some context, most a lot of you weren't even born then, but that's okay. Uh, but there, there I was, and I was marked with it because the guy made a connection with it, and I, I, something rose up in my spirit. Something stirred inside me that just said, I absolutely have to see this kind of thing happen. It, that I just had no, I'd never heard of the stories the guy's telling. He's like scores of people, like, you know, you know, Huge gatherings of people and the word of God going forth and multitudes and multitudes of people being saved. And I I just, I couldn't conceive of some of the things. And But God was really marking me. I actually have a a recording of the tape of of the message and I've gone back and I've listened to it. And I'm like, wow, it wasn't as powerful as I thought it was. But at the time, at the time, God was doing something in me. It was just undeniable. And, w- and what happened out of that was that that was the time when, for me, God marked me and said, you need, prayer is the center of this whole thing. If you want to see this, then you need to give yourself to a life of prayer. And that's what I began to do uh, at that time. I was here in the church, and uh, it was before the renovation, so it looked different and stuff. And we, but we, we gather, I started gathering people together and saying we need to gather, gather together and pray. And then I got a little bit more intense, and you know, we, we, had, we added some fasting to it. And it was just all kinds of crazy stuff that you do when you're that age. And uh, not that fasting is crazy, by the way. It's just nothing like that. But... So that was sort of the early days when I was really getting stirred up with this thing. And I, I didn't have a lot of language for it, began, but I began praying about it uh, and going for it. And so, uh, and I thought to myself, I thought I was going, I was really uh, intense. I was, I, was, I was, you know, more intense than a lot of the other people around me. And, so, and then, then what happened is God took me, connected me with some friends in British Columbia. And that shifted everything for me. Uh, it shifted everything because it was at that point when all of a sudden I was introduced in a very, very powerful way, as many of you have, and you can think about it in your own life. There's that time when you're introduced, you experience for the first time, really, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in power. And that was those days, and I remember going, traveling uh, to Kelowna and visiting with my friends, and, we would see, and, I, and I saw things, I experienced things. Uh, in God, the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, miracles, uh, there was de- testimonies of healings, and it was just absolutely arresting to me. Again, it was the closest thing. I was like, this is kind of like what that guy was talking about, but only he was talking primarily about people being saved. But I, I just could not, uh, I just couldn't believe all of the things that God was doing in those days. And, you know, for a while I got kind of out of whack because I thought, oh man, I, I should move to BC and all that kind of thing. I ne- never ended up doing it. Uh, I stayed. I stayed in, in Alberta, and I actually stayed uh, in here at McKernan. I, I attended McKernan. Some people sort of said, "Oh, you, you, you're into the Holy Spirit stuff. You got to go to another church and, and everything." And then I had a, a really wise guy said, wise person said to me. I asked him, uh, "You like that?" So I, I asked him. I said, "Well, what do you think?" And he said to me, "He said, no, you should stay. You should stay because what God's doing in you is." McKernan needs this. 
McKernan needs the kind of thing that, you're, that, is, that is stirring in your heart. And, that's, and, I, and I listened to him and I stayed. And those were, those were for, uh, tremendous days. There were two, two, pri- two really, really big uh, scriptures that I began to pray a lot in those days. Uh, the first one is in Habakkuk, the, the little, small, little book in the Old Testament called Habakkuk. Uh, chapter 2, verse 3, where it says, Lord, there's this, the prayer of the prophet Habakkuk. And he cries out and he says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Renew them. Renew them in our day. And in our time, make them known. And Lord, in, in, all, in wrath, remember mercy. And there was another verse, that, uh, another uh, prayer that is uh, prayed in, the, in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64, where again, it's the, it's the prophet and he's crying out. He says, oh Lord, oh that you would rend the heavens and that you would come down that the mountains would tremble before you as when fire sets twigs ablaze as when, and causes water to boil. Come down. Come down and make your name known to your enemies. Cause nations to quake before you. And here's where it just, I love this next part. For when you did awesome things, things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains, they trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And I was, I just, I love those verses. I've prayed those, I've prayed those thousands and thousands of times using the language of it. The prayer of Habakkuk says, God, I've heard of your fame. I've heard of the revivals. I've heard of what you've done in days gone by. I've heard of the the stories in, in all of these things. And Lord God, I want to see them in my generation. I mean, it's these, the cry that is in many of you, and this resonates with you because many, this is the cry really of resurgence, is God, renew these mighty deeds. Do them in our generation. Do them in our time, in our region. This is what we're asking for. This is what we believe for. And this is the, this is the cry that has gone back for generations. And then the, in, in Isaiah, I mean, just, oh, God, rend the heavens, Lord. To rend the heavens, I mean, to, you know, it's this image of violently ripping apart and coming down and dwelling and manifesting his presence in our midst. When fire sets twigs ablaze, causing water to boil, come down and make your name known, God. Make your name known to the thousands of people that do not know you, that have no regard for you whatsoever. Come and make your name known. Let them see what we've seen. And you just get the idea. You just begin to pray about it, God. And then there's this awesome thing. I mean, this is so epic. I've used this, like, if anytime you, you, you pray and you sit there and you're like, I don't know whether this is doing any good. And we all have those moments. I don't know whether it's working or whatever. You just go to this verse. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no one has ever seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait. And I just want to give that to you and just say, use that verse when you have times when you're praying or you're not praying because you don't think it's going to do any good, just you know, get that kind of a verse out and you know, you know, put it somewhere and help you to remember it. Listen, no ear has heard, no eye has seen any other God who acts on behalf of those who wait. So those were kind of that. That was the language that I was, I was really experiencing. And then, you know, so you know, life's going on and then all of a sudden a curveball comes. It was a pretty big one for me. I was about 23 years old at this time, and, and we found out that my mother was diagnosed with cancer. 
I was in Ontario, and I got a call from my dad, and his, his, his voice was shaking, was, was you know, just was shaking in, on, on the phone. And uh, he told me that my mom had been hospitalized and that they had discovered that she had extraordinarily uh, advanced breast cancer. And uh, they were actually not giving her a lot of time to live. They were expecting that she would pass away uh, within a few months. And so uh, I, sh- I, you know, I was scheduled to be coming back anyways, and we were in a car and didn't have a plan. So I drove back. It took a while. Uh, you know, but again, because of the posture that I was in and the language and everything like that, the way that I responded is I was like, okay, well, we're just going to pray. We're just going to, we're going to get together and we're going to lay hands on her. We're going to anoint, we're going to anoint her with oil. And I, you know, I had a band of people that were kind of, you know, into prayer too and stuff like that. And so I, I remember, I can picture it clear as day. I remember getting, you know, you know, gathering. And now my mother is a Presbyterian. And she's not necessarily used to being in the center and having people gather around and, you know, lay hands and anoint with oil and all of the rest of it. But, you know, when you're in that space, you know, you don't get too hung up on whether what you think about that anymore. You know, when you need healing, you need healing. And so we, we, would, we would gathered, and we, and we did it. We did it once. We did it twice. We did it three times. We, we would spend, like, you know, long, you know, a couple hours, just a handful of us, or usually about seven or eight, ten of us uh, that, would, that were there, and we would just, and we would pray, and we would believe God for healing. And I want to say that, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, a remarkable thing. Uh, she actually went into remission. She, of course, she went through treatments and uh, all the various things uh, that you go through. And, but she, she went, her body went into remission. Cancer went into remission. Uh, and there were several things, and my wife, who's with me tonight, she reminded me that I should, I should mention these things, that there were several things that, that my mother particularly wanted. Uh, my, well, Pam and I, we were not married. We were just dating at that time. And, uh, and stuff. so she, you know, so there were several things. So she, she lived long, she lived long enough that she got to see us get married. She got to see me graduate from, uh, from school. She got to see me, uh, us together, have a child and, uh, and see our first, uh, our firstborn, our daughter, Rebecca. Uh, and it was, it was a powerful, powerful time. Uh, and so she lived for many, many years after that. And eventually, the, you know, just to be the full story and stuff like that, the cancer did, it did come back. And, and eventually it did claim her life. And she's in, she's in heaven with Jesus right now. And, uh, but, I, but I saw that. I saw that healing and it, it marked me in a very, in a very, very personal way. And I, like I said, I can still remember the zeal and, the, and that we were going to pray and, you know, like, and see, see healing come. And, it was, and I used verses like I, like I read in Habakkuk and, and Isaiah. And we saw some very amazing things going on. And through those times, we were con- I, was, I was believing for an outpouring of God's Spirit. I believed for it. I believed for it strongly when I was in the college and group here at McKernan. I believed for it when we were praying over my mother in those days. Uh, and, I, and, then, and then I got into pastoring and became a pastor and, and was on staff uh, over at Central Baptist Church. And, uh, and then soon after that, I got involved with uh, church planting. I did a church plant here in the city. And then there was, and when we were getting ready for that, uh, when we, got, we were getting ready for that, uh, that time of church planting, God said something. He, he gave us a scripture, and Pam, you'll remember this. Uh, it was so dramatic the way that it came but it was, it, was this, it was this verse, when it's from the story when Jesus is raising Lazarus from the dead. It's in John 11. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, 
you will see the glory of God. And I remember, I, 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 it was, I mean, this is many years ago, and I remember where I was, I remember seeing it, I remember hearing it, I remember the, the, just the, the, the way it shook me inside. Did I know, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And I knew, I knew that it was connected to the whole, the, the whole theme of seeing the beauty and the glory of Jesus and seeing multitudes saved and seeing the, the outpouring of the Spirit where there was the testimony of Jesus and the, and the glory of Jesus being made known in, across a region. Across a region. Like, and I, and I, I know people say this, and I, but this is really important uh, in my heart. It's, it's really important. I believe something for a region, not just one church, a region. Something where it's like it's not, it's bigger than a church. It's bigger than just one denomination. It's across a region where the whole, the, the body of Christ is coming together because God's moving. His presence is there. And people are being healed. People are being touched. There is uh, prophetic words left, right, and center. And above, and really, frankly, above all, many, many people are coming to Jesus in salvation. And, this, and their lives are being totally changed. And this is the kind of thing that we were believing for. And so when God, or when, you know, so I'm, of course, I'm young and uh, young and enthusiastic. I'm still young and enthusiastic. But, yeah. So, you know, so I'm believing. I'm like, the, all right, if you believe, the glory of God is going to come. And I'm like, we're doing a church plant. This is where it's going to happen. The glory of God is going to come to the church plant. This is going to be great. I, this is fantastic, of course. I mean, if I was God, I'd pour out the Spirit in my church. I wouldn't. I mean, it was, I mean, it was, <laughs> why not? Well, the glory didn't come the way I expected, to put it mildly. Uh, there was uh, some real great years, and there were some real challenging years. Uh, and then we, so fast forward all the way to, all the way to today, and the years of not really seeing the full manifestation of what we've cried, of, of what, of the glory of God on the scale. Have I seen the glory of God? Yes. Have I seen miracles? Yes. Have I seen people healed? Yes. Have I seen revival? Not the way that I'm believing it. I believe for historic revival that shakes regions. And I will not water it down to, to, to water it down so that what is happening in my life somehow fits into that so that I feel better. I know I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep asking God to pour out his spirit in a region the way that he's done. And I just go back over and over and over again to the prayer of Habakkuk. Oh God, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe. God, of what you've done in days gone by. Oh, Lord, renew it. Do it again, God. But for years, for years, you, you, you hit the ground. For years, you keep praying. Now, I'm just going to say, you know, God has called me in a, in, a, you know, in a particular way to this ministry of prayer. So I lead house, this ministry called House of Prayer Edmonton. So 50% of what I do is spend time in prayer meetings. And the other 50% of what I do is try and get other people to go to prayer meetings too. That's, that's in a nutshell what I do. So, but I, I you know, I've, and I, I, I consider that a, a great honor because it, what has been in my heart since I was a young adult in McKernan, right here in this sanctuary, what has been in my heart has been a cry to see an outpouring of the Spirit in the region. And what I'm doing 
vocationally because God's called me to do it and he's opened up a door for me is saying, That's, this is what I'm doing, is giving myself in, a, in the place of prayer and intercession and asking God for this over and over and over again, day after day after day, month after month after month, and year after year after year. And we've been, we've been doing this. Now, there's a challenge that comes, and that's, this is kind of where I'm at right now, and I want to just share some of the scriptures that God has really uh, challenged me with recently. Because when you, when you contend for the promises over a region, like I'm saying, but also the promises in your own life, like there's promises that we believe for, that God, things that God has spoken in our individual lives and in our families, and as well as, you know, our churches and our region and all this. So it all applies, okay? So it all comes under, under, underneath this. When you contend and believe for those kind of promises over, the, over a period of years and years and years, and you still do not see the thing that, you, that God has promised, what will you do? What will you do? How will you respond? And there's a real challenge in it because... Uh, you know, we, we contend, when I use the word contend, I just want to say that it's, you know, we contend through having faith in God's promises. We contend by praying and we contend by acting. And so there's those, those, those elements of, of faith, prayer, and action that are involved when I talk about contending. Because I, I, I know there's going to be somebody that's going to be like, well, what do you mean by contending? What does that word, what do you mean? How do you do that? I believe for it, I pray for it, and I act according to it. Okay, but there's challenges when you're trying to do that over, the, over a period of years and you're not seeing it. Now, there's a, just three really quickly ones that I think are some of the most uh, significant ones that we face. One is that we become busy. We become busy with other things. We become busy with our careers, with our families, with our churches, all of which are good. Career is good, family is good, church is very good. And, but a lot of times we, be just, we become busy. I've seen this. I've seen this in many, many people. And you become distracted. You become distracted and, and it leads to almost the second thing. Can all, 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 almost lead to the second thing, which is, or the second big challenge that I see. And that's becoming satisfied. Becoming satisfied over time with the way things are. And you become satisfied with the status quo and you lose, and you lose the sharpness of what God entrusted to you when you were, whenever it was that you, that God stirred something in you. For me, it was when I was a young adult. And, and you just become satisfied and you just sort of go on and life happens and, and all of a sudden one year turns into 10 and all of a sudden your kids are going to university and, you know, good grief. All of this. But the third thing is, is almost, it's almost, well, I don't know how to compare them. But the third one that I have is being offended. Becoming offended. Because a lot, that's what happens many times when we, the way that we deal with the pain of the disappointments in our life. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I can't hardly see you. But <laughs> we, all of us can say that we have, we have disappointments in our life. All of us can, can, can think and say, yeah, I'm disappointed about this. And sometimes we wrestle with God in those things. And, and I just need to say this as, as a pastor, and, uh, that it's okay to wrestle with God over the things that are, that are disappointments in your life. It's okay. It's not unspiritual. He can handle it. Be honest with him. Cry out to him. Don't stuff it down and ignore it and pretend that your disappointment isn't real. 
Okay? Give it expression. Like, come to God and dialogue with him. And, 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 and through that, that's a lot of times the way that, the, the way that, uh, that we deal with, with offense and so my, my message really isn't on these three challenges or these three challenges, but becoming busy, becoming satisfied, and, and sometimes becoming offended with God and dealing with it. Now I don't know which I don't know uh, which one of these. I think I've dealt with all of them in my life in various in various forms, and I think I will again. I mean, it's not like you deal with one and then you never deal with it again. I think it's, it's many many times these things will come into your life, uh, but recently. Recently, I have found God speaking to me on a very profound level uh, in a way that is, is really getting a hold of me. I have found that my, my faith hasn't, isn't as, as large as it is for some of these things. I have found myself wrestling and going, I don't know, maybe, maybe it won't happen in my lifetime. Maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe I've missed it. That's a big one for me, as I think to myself, maybe I missed it. You know, maybe I'm over the hill. And, and all these things, and I, you just have these internal wrestles. And I found myself kind of like, okay, and, in, and through it all, because of my, uh, the luck, or the, the, luck is the wrong word, through the, the benefit of what I do for a living, which is spend half my time in prayer meetings, is like I'm remaining faithful. I'm going to the prayer meetings. You know, I got, you know a bunch of my staff are here tonight. And like we're, we're then in the prayer meeting together and we're doing the stuff and we're praying. And yes, we're praying. But am I praying? One of the things that God's been challenging me with is, yes, you're faithful, Jim. Yes, you're, you're praying. You're in the place of prayer. But are you believing? Is the faith there? And I have found in my life recently that God has been saying, he, and, he's, and he's done this on, on different levels in my life, but this one he's really highlighting now. And he's so gentle with me. He really is. He's, he's really gentle. And he's like, Jim, I want it back. I want you to have faith again. I want you to believe in me again. I want you to believe like you did in the days gone by. I want to call that faith back into your life. And in my life, you know, there's times I know people, God speaks in a variety of different ways. Uh, in my life, God speaks most clearly to me through the scriptures. And so I'm reading and I'm reading in, the, in, the, in Mark chapter 6, and it says this in, in verse 52. He says, Jesus has just walked on the water. And, he, and, he's, and then it says, then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. They were shocked. They were overwhelmed, stunned. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their, heart, their hearts were hardened. They had not understood their hearts were hardened. And it was a reference because he'd, he'd just fed the 5,000. And so that's what the loaves are. He had not understood about the feeding of the 5,000. Their hearts were hardened. And instantly God said to me, your heart, Jim, is in danger of being hardened. And that's not okay. I'm not okay with it. And I, I just, I love that. He, like, he, he's... He's I, I, I say this, he's, this is true of everybody in here, okay? So I'm not in any way unique when I say this. It, it, it applies to you. But he is very jealous over me. He is very jealous over my heart. And he will not, he is, he will not be satisfied or allow my heart to move into a place where, it, where he does not want it to be. 
And that's the same for you. It's the same for all of us. A little while later, there was a couple other verses in there too that I'm skipping for sake of time. But then another, just absolutely, another verse just, uh, it wasn't the Lord, but it just, I, I was just like smacked by this verse. Acts 13. I'm going to start in verse 38. It says, Therefore, my friends, take, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Verse 40, take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. And then he quotes from the book of Habakkuk. He says, look, you scoffers, wonder, perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if it was told to you. And I was like, I was, I, I'm serious. I was, I can, again, I guess I'm a visual person. I can really picture where I was. Uh, I was down in my office. I was reading. And it just absolutely, shook right, th- right through. Look, you, look, you scoffers. Wonder and perish. For I am going to do something in your day. In your day. And I was like, oh my goodness. There's the prayer of Habakkuk 3. I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe. You would not believe it if I told you is what the Lord is saying. And, I, and, I, and what was in me was like, I don't think I, I, I knew I wouldn't, would I believe? Would I dare to believe? Am I going to dare to believe again, God? Now, this is really recent for me. This is like a few weeks ago. This isn't a year ago. This isn't five years ago for me. This is like uh, three weeks ago. So I'm, I'm still being afflicted by this. And when Travis emailed me and asked me to speak tonight, it was pretty quick that uh, I might be on this topic. <laughs> this is, uh, I want to I look just for a couple minutes. I want to look a little bit more deeply into Mark chapter 6. So if, you, if you're a person that likes to follow on your phone, then you can do that. Uh, So what's happened, Mark chapter 6 is a remarkable, it's a remarkable chapter that God has really had me in. And I'm just going to really, I'm not going to look at the whole chapter because we'd be here for a very long time. But I'm just going to highlight, I'm going to highlight the chunks for you. Okay? It starts out with Jesus. He's got his 12 disciples. And in verses 1 to 6, he takes them to his hometown in Nazareth. Okay, this is the last time in Jesus' life that we know of, that we have any record of, that he goes to his hometown. It's the last time that we have record of. He's in his hometown with his disciples in Nazareth. Why? Why is he taking them there? Jesus knows that he's, going, he's about to commission them and send them out to do the works of the kingdom, to demonstrate the kingdom of God. So it's not only going to be Jesus who's doing the work, it's going to be his disciples that are being sent out, and he knows the challenges that this is going to create in their life. So he takes them to Nazareth. They don't even, for two, two real reasons. One, they don't really grasp who he is yet. That's number one. And number two, they, don't, they definitely don't understand the consequences of some of the things that are going to happen. Okay? So it says, you know, it says, When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogues. And when many, many heard him, they were amazed. Gobsmacked is probably a better way to, to translate it in our... Uh, like, it's just, it's, an, it's not a... For, amazed isn't a, for, isn't a strong enough word. Like, they were stunned at what he was saying. Like, Jesus spoke, he's a t- Jesus the teacher, everybody's like, cannot believe what they're hearing. Where did this man get these things? 
What's, what is this wisdom that's been given to him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Uh, and, and says, aren't his sisters here with us? And, get this again, and they took offense at him. They were offended at him. They were offended. They remember. They're like, we remember this kid. We remember, we remember this guy. We remember he was a little kid running around. You ever think about the fact that Jesus was a little kid and he went running around? I mean, that's a cool thing. I mean, Jesus was a boy. He ran around. He played. It's awesome. All right? And then Jesus says, only in his hometown and among his relatives and his own house is a prophet without honor. And get this, verse 5. This is really important. He could, do no, he could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know, but I mean, really, I mean, the major miracles, he, he, was, he couldn't do them. And it says, why? Because of their lack of faith. It says that he, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. They were amazed at his teachings. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So Jesus, he couldn't really, he couldn't, the whole thing couldn't happen in the way, because of that. So then what happens is Jesus gathers the 12 together. He gathers, gathers them together and he says, guys, here it is. It's now time for you to do the stuff, not just me. And they're like, what do you mean? And he says, no, you guys are going to go. It, up till now, I've just been doing it. I've been the one that's praying for people and all of that. And what, but now you guys are going to do it. And I, I imagine the disciples going, nope, I don't think so. Probably not. I don't think I'm out, you know. I mean, really, I mean, probably, probably Peter was a bit more pumped, but I think a lot of them were like, whoa. So he commissions them. He sends them out is what happens in verses 12 to, or 7, 7 to 13. And they go out and they begin to, they begin, they, they carry the message that Jesus has, that Jesus has demonstrated. What's the message? It's time to repent, and that's really core, is that there needs to be repentance, a turning from sin to the living God. And that never can go away from, our, from the message of the gospel. True message of the gospel calls people to repentance. But, he also, but they also went out and they healed. So they, they, they proclaimed the word of God, they called people to repentance, and then they demonstrated it through signs and wonders. And I mean, just imagine these guys are just like, can you imagine how, much, how freaky it would have been for them? All of a sudden they pray and somebody, get, like a lame guy, all of a sudden stands up or whatever. They play for somebody who's blind eyes and boom, it's open and stuff like that. I just completely must have messed with them big time. Must have, I, just, I love thinking about how, abs, how absolutely that would have been rearranged their, their thinking. And they're, they're casting out the demons and they're healing the sick and stuff like that. So then, then there's this little excursus that I'm going to skip. And then in, if you go down to verse 30, there's this, there's this time. What happens in verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus. They came back. They'd gone out. They'd gone into the villages. They'd, he, they'd preached. They'd called people to repentance. And then, they'd, uh, and then they'd, they'd healed the sick and stuff. And many people had been saved and all the rest of it. They come back and they, come, they have a leadership huddle. It's like Travis, you know, gathering all the people together and saying, hey, how'd it go, guys? And, one, and, and, be, and the disciples are sitting there going, you have no idea. I mean, the stories that they would have told would have been amazing. I bet, I, I, I've thought about this quite a bit, and I've, I just imagine Jesus sitting there smiling as all of them talk on and on and on. I just, Jesus sitting there, awesome. Like, he just knows, because they're doing the stuff. That's, and it was always intended that they would do the stuff, and then the 72 would do the stuff, and on and on and on it goes. 
So then, there, then what happens is there's, I mean, I, I should, I gotta speed up a bit here, but it's amazing. So they're in this thing, they're, I'm gonna read it. It's just so good. I'm sorry. I can't, I, I'm enjoying this, I'm enjoying this passage too much. So Jesus, he says, all right, guys, we need to get some rest. They pull aside and stuff. So they went away, this is verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them, and they ran, get this, they ran on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. They got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, such a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, this is the feeding of the 5,000. 5,000 people. Some people say that's probably just the men and there's, another, and there's women and children as well, but it doesn't matter for that. 5,000 people gathered because they saw them traveling and they, they're running. I mean, they go running. And that's the thing. When there's, I'm telling you what, when there's revival, when God's pouring out His Spirit, people are going to run to the meeting. They're going to run to the meetings. We're not going to be sitting here going, man, it's 7 o'clock, there's nobody here. No, it's the, like the lines up out the door. I've heard, I've heard prophets, that, uh, prophetic people that have talked about, they've had visions. The Lord's shown them visions of, of what, like, revival, the, the kind of revival that's coming. And, when, and they describe it this way, lines without end. Lines without end. And, I, and on one hand, I, I love the guy that said this. He said, he said, yes, lines without end sounds awesome until you have to pray for all of the people. We are good. When, there, when, the, when, when God's Spirit is moving, it's going to be a long meeting. It's going to be a long meeting. I'll just let that sit with you. So he gathers the people. Jesus, now this is, this is to me, I'm going to just real summarize this quickly, okay? Jesus, you know the f- story of the 5,000, the fish and the, the loaves and the fish, he multiplies it, 5,000 people get healed or get fed, right? Jesus is basically creating out of nothing. Why is that important? Why is it important? Moses and Elijah, this is really important. This is, you know, Josh, you're going to like this part. Moses and Elijah needed to be fed by God. Both of them needed to be fed, need, need to be fed by God. Why? Because they couldn't create it himself. So all of a sudden, Jesus comes along, bam, he's feeding them because he's making bread himself. It means he's greater than Moses and he's greater than Elijah. That's what the 5,000, that's what the feeding of the 5,000 means. Jesus is greater than Moses. He's greater than Elijah. He's more than a prophet. He's God. And this is what this passage means. It's very soon. The the disciples didn't get it because in chapter 8, we're in chapter 6, but in chapter 8, that's the story of the transfiguration. At the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah show up. Moses and Elijah show up and they're they're hanging out with with Jesus and, and, the, and the disciples completely screw it up. And they're like, hey, this is really cool, you guys. Let's just get three tents. One for Elijah, one for Moses. And, one, and, and, and then God the Father is like, you're missing it. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen, you know, this is what it says. You know, this is the, it's the declaration that he's God. That he's fully God and he's fully man. This is who he is. Now, the, the reason that I'm kind of preaching this is because it's really important. So then what happens? The disciples still aren't getting it. They still don't understand who he is. They've gone to Nazareth. They didn't get it. They've gone out and they've preached in his name. They didn't really get it. They've, 
He fed 5,000 5, people. They still don't quite get it. So then what happens is Jesus sends them away. He says, go, you guys go. I need to pray. Now, that's awesome. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. He was actually depleted. He needed to restore himself with his father, and he goes away and he prays for him, and he prays with his father. It's awesome. Prayer guys like that part. <laughs> right, Yari? You get it. Yeah. Yari's with me. So he goes and he, he goes and he, he goes to pray. Surely, I think he had this discussion with the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit is saying, they're still not getting it. Jesus, they're still not understanding. They don't know who he is. They don't know who you are. So then what happens? Then what happens is what I, the verse that I read earlier. Jesus whoop, hops on the water, starts walking out to them. And when, it's such a comical story because it's, it, again, I got to read it because it's so fantastic. Like you guys get into the Bible. It's absolutely, it's outstanding, Right? Evening came, the boat's in the middle of the lake. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, so, you know, that's really late, by the way. It's like three in the morning. He went out to them walking on the lake. Now, this is my favorite part. He was about to pass them by. But when they saw him, I mean, you know, they're in the boat. They're, they're struggling and stuff like this. Jesus, you know, just walking by, hey guys, like this, you know, and they all of a sudden they look and they're like, whoa, what's going on? Who's this guy? And they saw him, they, then they saw him walking, but they thought he was a ghost. They didn't know who he was. And when it, then he climbs into the boat and he says this, take courage, it is I, behold. <laughs> take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Then he, climbed into, he climbs into the boat, the wind dies down, and they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. They begin to, they still don't quite get it, and it takes some time, but they eventually do understand who he is. Here's some highlights that I want to land on, that I want to draw from this passage. In order to contend for the glory of God in our lives and in our region, we must have faith. We must believe it's the thing that God is calling me to because, guys, I'm struggling. I, you know, I'm, I am standing here as one who, like, God is, re, is encouraging me and saying, Jim, it's time to believe again. It's time to actually risk the disappointment. It's time to risk and believe that God is going to do out beyond anything that you could ask or imagine. It's time to believe that the things that God is going to do are so beyond you wouldn't even believe them. But if all of a sudden somebody thundered from heaven and told me what he was going to do, I wouldn't necessarily believe it. I mean, it's time to believe again. We must have faith. Now, faith is not something that we muster up in ourselves in our flesh. This is why I've been harping okay, on, this, on who Jesus is. Faith is born by the revelation of the glory of who Jesus truly is. That's where faith is born. Faith, let me say it again, it's not something that we hype up. Okay, It is not something that we produce by working ourselves into a froth and a frenzy, okay? That's not what, we're, that's not what it's about. It is, faith is born by revelation. It's born by revelation of the glory of who Jesus actually is, where our eyes are open and we see him and we go, you're an incredible, there's nobody like you. You can do everything, Jesus. That's the feeding of the 5,000. That's the making bread out of, every, out of nothing. That's being greater than Moses, greater than Elijah. That's what this is about. This is the, the ability of Jesus walking on top of the water. It's a stunning thing. 
Now, as I said, a significant barrier to faith in our hearts is when we have offense that we haven't, we haven't really dealt with. Offense in our hearts towards God. And one of the most challenging things, as I've indicated already, one of the most difficult challenges in contending is for the glory of God is to keep our hearts clear of offense. I want to end with this. Vision of, 11, of Hebrews 11. It's not a vision in the class, it's just a, you know. I have a vision in my mind that I believe is born out of the scriptures in Hebrews 11. And it's, it's this. I want to walk in faith for decades. I want to walk for decades believing. And for me, that, believe, that means it's manifest in prayer meetings. Okay? I believe that prayer meetings are absolutely really important. Really important. They may be boring at times, but it does not matter. I'm going for it. Walking, for, walking, in, walking in faith for decades. It's one thing. And most of you are, are, you know, a lot of you are young adults in this room, which is fantastic. And it is wonderful that you hold in your heart the idea of God moving in these ways. This is why you come. It's why resurgence is resurgence. And it's awesome. And I say yes and amen. Do it. Believe. Believe because it's in the Bible. Believe it's because he's done it in church history. Believe it. Believe it with all of your heart. But don't just believe it now. Believe it when you're 30. Believe it when you're 40. Believe it when you're 50 and 60. And you still haven't seen it. I mean, honestly, I... It's awesome to me to find some, to, to see somebody, to, to see somebody who's contended with, and I mean just believe, they've held it in their heart, they still believe, their heart responds, their heart responds to God in, in, a, in a dynamic way, I could just go on and on about that. I remember years ago, uh, I turned to Hebrews 11, but I'll, I got it here, uh, I remember many, many years ago, I, 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 was, I heard a guy, and he was, he was teaching, uh, and he made this comment. I actually, I, I dug up the, the teaching, and I, I listened to it like an hour before I came here. Because, and I just, honestly, I was in my office, I just started weeping. Because he said, he talked about his own, his own, in his own life, and he talked about a time when God said to him, challenged him with Hebrews 11, uh, verse 38, men and women of whom the world is not worthy. And he said, why does it always have to be somebody? Why does it always have to be one of the, one of the people that, that was in the scriptures? Why does it have to be people that died in the 1600s and the 1700s? Why can't it be me? Why don't I become one of those people? And he was challenged. He felt like the Lord was really saying to it. Hebrews 11.38, men and women of whom the world is not worthy. Why don't you become one? Why don't you become one? Don't let it be somebody else. Don't let it be somebody else who's great. Don't... I, just, I'm going to put it in resurgence, in resurgence uh, you know, context. Don't let it just be Travis. It's not okay just to be Travis. It's got to be everybody. We all need to have this. Men and women of whom the world is not worthy, why don't you, why don't we become those people? Let us become those kind of people that actually live and order our lives because we believe in this stuff and we're going for it and we're not going to be dissuaded. And yes, there are going to be times, and I'm living example of it. There are times when we are going to be drawn down, and it's going to be hard, and we are going to be. But we have a loving Father who is good, and He will call us back. 
And that is what he's doing in my life. And that's why I'm sharing this message with you tonight. Because he's calling, he's calling me back. And I believe that he's calling many of you back to this as well. I'm just going to invite Karis to come up and whoever else. Men and women of whom the world is not worthy. Contending for, the, contending for an historic breakthrough of the Holy Spirit in our region. Contending for the promises that are in our lives that we have not seen. Contending for our, the, the promises over our family that we have not yet experienced. That we would not be drawn away by busyness. That we would not be drawn away uh, by offense. And we wouldn't settle we wouldn't settle. It's time for us to say we're not going to settle. We're not going to settle for anything less than what God has said in his word, the things that he has promised. And the highest thing that God has promised is this, that his son will be on display across the entire earth. And he will be glorious, and he will be beautiful, and the world will love him, and they will see him, and they will marvel at him. They will see him and they will marvel at him. The highest promise that God has made is that Jesus will be great in all of the earth. And frankly, all of the, all of the promises that I can think of related to my life are true, but they are small in comparison to the glory of Jesus. I'm just going to invite you guys to stand. I think it's time, I think it's good for us to respond, to hear the word, but then to also respond to it. Uh, when I was in uh, Zion Baptist Church, that's the church that when I had the call and learned about revival and stuff, I was in the balcony, there's no balcony, but there was a, there was a call to come forward and give, or give your life to prayer. And I remember going, moving, I'd never responded to anything in my life like this, and I shot out, of the, ba- I shot out the back and went, ran down the stairs and shot right up to the front. And, 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 marked, and God marked me for, for this, thing of, for this uh, thing of prayer. So it's important. I just say that because it's important that we respond. I believe that there are, there are many of you. There are many of you who would just want that it's important that you respond tonight. It's important because God is, is stirring something. For some of you, it's, it's, the, it's the issue of offense. For some of you, it's the, that issue. There's something you've been offended at God. Maybe there's something, a, a disappointment, a pain that has been in your life. That's something that is unresolved. And, and if you're honest with yourself and with God, there's some unresolved offense there. And I believe tonight that if that's you, then God wants to help you, help you deal with that. There's, other, there's others of you that would hear that I just really had like I, I was in my office I just wept over it men and women of whom the world is not worthy that you want to give your life you want to devote your life to the glory of God you want to give your life and reorder your life around Jesus in a greater way in a fresh way maybe you've become maybe you've been distracted by something you know whatever the legitimate many of the legitimate things you know it might be family job school whatever get distracted by those things but in a new way Jesus is I believe that Jesus is saying this to you it's time to refocus it's time to it's time to plumb line this is a plumb line moment 
It's a plumb line moment where you're going to come and you're going to say, no, I'm giving myself. I, I want to be, a, you know, men and women of whom the world is not worthy. It doesn't mean we're famous. That, that's not what that means. So don't hear that. That's not about a, a, a name. We're, we're before the Lord and he sees us. And that's, that's what he would say is men and women of whom the world is not worthy. And it's time to reorder your life. Maybe you're just here and you just, there's something that you just want. You just want prayer. You just say, I'm not really sure what, but I just want, I, want, I really want somebody. I need prayer tonight. Uh, there's some people that are here. There's a ministry team uh, that are uh, able to pray with you and stuff. And I'm just going to, I'm going to pray for you right now. Just over and the team's going to play. Uh, and I'm just going to invite you guys to, if you're feeling like God's speaking to you tonight, I want you to come forward. Not because it's a show or anything like that, but because it's, it's before the Lord. This is a place where we can, we can really come before the Lord and people will pray with you. God does more when we pray for each other. It's just a truth. So Father, right now, I just, I thank you. I thank you that you are jealous tonight over our hearts. You're jealous over every one of us in this room tonight. And Father, I just ask you, by your spirit, speak. Mark us in a fresh way tonight. So if just if you're if you're feeling like you just need to respond, then I just want to invite you just to come up to the front and kneel down, kneel down or stand or whatever whatever's comfortable for you. And just allow, and just come and pray before the Lord. Again, we've got some ministry team. Come and pray. Lord, I thank you for these the way that you have spoken. I thank you, Lord, that you, all of your promises, you've not forgotten any of them. You've not forgotten one. None of your promises have been forgotten. Lord, for those places where we've been offended, for those times and those areas of our life where we're offended, Lord, we just conf we confess that that's there. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to take that offense. Help us. Heal us. Lord, for some of us that we just want to reorder our lives, it's time to, be, it's time to reorder our lives around you in a greater way. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak and that you would give, you know each one of us and you're able to do a great, you're able to speak to the specific areas in our lives. And you're so gentleness. You're so gentle. You're so gentle with us tonight. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.